Kirk Ferentz says either redshirt freshman Joe Labus or true freshman Carson May will start at quarterback for Iowa against Kentucky in the Music City Bowl. Hoops, the Iowa women got back in the win column Sunday, scoring more than 100 points in a road victory over Wisconsin. They host Iowa State on Wednesday. The Panthers are reportedly set to release Baker Mayfield. He threw six interceptions, and the team went 1-5 and five in the six games he started for Carolina. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios. Where every Monday, get one of Jethro's world-famous meal deals. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. As we take you up until 1, Murph and Andy coming your way then at that point. Got Cody Goodwin in hanging out with me today. What's happening, Cody? Um, I was catching up on some of the college football stuff that I missed. Uh Obviously, I was busy, you know, doing a bunch of wrestling stuff this past weekend, so I didn't get to see a ton of it. Um, You know, I saw, what, Big Ten, I saw Big 12, Mm -hmm. didn't really catch at all anything of, of USC or or the SEC um, caught some highlights of Tulane. Probably won't touch on that too much in this conversation, but um, yeah, just trying to just trying to catch myself up. The usual Monday during wrestling season, right? Know. Yeah, kind of you kind of get filled up with what you have on your day to day job. But there's lots of other things going on, and we're going to get into all of it right now with our man Bama Bob. It's a Monday. It's time to recap in our last full ish slate of games. Bama, welcome in. How are you? Have you entered the transfer portal? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. You know, it depends on what offers come my way. I'm not real. Uh, I'm not real valuable in the NIL market. <laughs> right? Uh, maybe they they can find somebody for you there. Speaking of that, so Iowa is involved with Treshawn Holden, wide receiver from Alabama. Also, one of their offensive linemen, I think a guard. Uh, there's some people maybe connecting some dots there. Maybe just more than anything, Hawkeye fans hopeful a guy that can come in and help that offensive line. But I think I saw last night. It was nine players were anticipated to already enter the transfer portal from Alabama and some dudes that have played fill us in what's going on well I mean listen it's it's the silly season now if you want to relate it to a you know the the pro level which is what we you know we're used to this in the NBA and Major League Baseball with their hot stove and even NFL free agency and now you have free agency essentially in college football teams don't you know guys come in as four or five stars and they think they're going to play immediately and they don't and, you know, usually one year, maybe sometimes two, and they're out. And, I, listen, it's – you. It's I think the portal and the transfers are almost as, if not more important, than the actual recruiting. Now, I mean, because you bring these guys in, you've got a hit on them in recruiting. And if you don't, after a year or two, they're gone. And they can go anywhere, you know, a free transfer now, even within their own conference. There's nothing to stop them. Flip side of that is there's nothing to stop you poaching other guys. So it, I, I don't, I really don't know how coaches keep up with it because you've got 25 scholarships that you can offer every year. And it used to just be, you know, that was your signing class. And now it's, okay, well, now that class might be, you know, 15 freshmen and 10 transfers. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how you keep up with it, but um, it's inevitable. I think you're going to see it at um, maybe not at Ohio State. I think you're going to see a lot of influx at USC. Um, remember, you know, back in the day, and I say today, I mean, gosh, five, six years ago, 
the way you built a program, if you needed to do it really quick, was go to the JUCO level. You know, that was kind of the thing. Guy, you know, coach comes in and we just go JUCO and we'll, we'll sign five or six of those to make us competitive in year one and then we'll start recruiting. That, that almost seems to have just, you know, gone the way of the dodo bird, basically. Um, it, I don't hear much about junior college transfers right. anymore. Uh, and which, you know, is, is kind of sad on their part, but it's the way it is. But a program like Alabama, I don't, I, I don't, it doesn't surprise me. I think you'll see the same at other big programs that aren't in the playoff right now, and even some that are. I mean, you've already seen a couple guys, you know, leave or you know, you know, playoff teams. That was it. Uh, the quarterback um, from Michigan. I can't think. Not McCarthy. McNamara. McNamara. Yeah. Coming to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's that's how you rebuild now. And I tell you what, Iowa and specifically needs an infusion of talent. I mean, it has been obvious all year they lack playmakers. They lack creativity on offense uh and that's really more of a coaching and a scheme thing but i don't think you're going to get rid of the coach so you really you've got to be able to make explosive plays and you need playmakers and they just don't have them so good for them if they're in on a few of these guys and they can make a difference mm-hmm. i mean uh, the, the, the kid you talked about from alabama i mean he was hurt most of the year and he just couldn't get on the field which is does something because that was with her main, uh, <laughs> you know, deficiency this year. You know, coming off of last year, that at least that what everybody thought it was. But um, I, I again, it's just silly season, and it's going to be hard to know. We'll know more in a month or so, and then after signing day, kind of who lands where. But I think you're going to see some big names floating around. Treshawn holding six touchdowns for the Crimson Tide this year, and apparently, yeah, Cade McNamara and him some kind of relationship. Uh, Holden was out in California. He kind of bounced around yeah. in high school as a Florida kid. Went to a prep school in D.C., then ended up in California, and him and McNamara at least have some kind of relationship. And again, people connecting dots. But Bama, we move from that. And we look at the slate that was over the weekend. It was. Friday night. That's where we got to start USC. And yep. after the injury to Caleb Williams, just boy, how different that team looked. It was going to be a struggle regardless because Utah, boy, they play well. And especially after those opening couple of minutes, Utah's what Utes were playing really well in that football game. But USC had an opportunity still disappointed not to get there. This has still got to be looked at as a huge, huge year number one, though, for Lincoln Riley, right? No, I think so. Uh, and, and look, if Williams stays healthy, you don't know what happens. And and I I don't want to say I blame Lincoln Riley, but I mean he left that kid out there way too long. I mean, and I know you still you're playing, you're fighting for everything, you're fighting for a playoff spot, and and I get it. And I'm sure you know they went to them to Williams, and he says, look, I can gut it out, I can go, whatever. But sometimes you have to protect players from themselves. He could have, I'm sure it's a pulled hamstring. I mean, he could have torn that thing and could have cost himself you know, draft stock and everything else. I mean, but it, it was obvious. Uh, but what did they outscore them? 44 to seven down the stretch or something. I think it was 17 to three and they wind up winning, uh, I think 44, you know, was it 44 three or whatever it was down the stretch, 44 to seven. Um, but that is just what Utah does under Kyle Whittingham. And what, as much as it was Williams, it was just USC's defense. Trent, you've been on this all year. Mm-hmm. I don't know who number seven is <laughs> for USC, the defensive back. Yep. But whoever he is needs to take up another sport because he he had, and, and it was just, he had the most horrendous, horrendous, there I am making up words, horrendous tackling game I have ever seen on a team that was ranked in the top four. Like that. I mean, listen, 
kids make business decisions sometimes, if you want to put it that way. And you see Derrick Henry running out. You're okay, fine. I'll just, I'll make an effort. That's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that guy, it just the, the one where he just got run over by the tight end going into the end zone. Uh, a couple, the next two runs. I mean, he just, you know, he. I don't know. That was their. That was their. Achilles heel, you've called it all year, and it was obvious against a team like Utah in that game. It was obvious in Salt Lake City as well. They're just not physical enough, and I think that's what Leak and Riley, as much as everybody wants to flash and dash, and who's the next quarterback, and who's the next great receiver, and who's the next Reggie Bush, and all this kind of thing, and he'll get those players. But he needs to he needs to build up front if he wants to a win the Pac-12 because I don't think Utah's going anywhere. They got a lot of they got a couple freshmen that are going to be around for a while. And that's how they're going to play. Now, I know they're going to the Big Ten, and you think Utah's tough. Man, you know, try Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and all the Illinois, all those teams, okay? Uh, he's got to build from that front seven on defense and, and then build the skill positions. But uh, good for Utah going to the Rose Bowl. I feel bad for Williams. I wish the game was a little more competitive, but it was obvious after he got hurt that they had no chance. All right, Bama. To Saturday and the Big 12 championship game, it was a tight one back and forth. TCU gets it to overtime, and at that point, a lot of people said, well, all right, that's enough. You know, Even if they lose here in overtime, they're going to be in the playoff, and that's the way that it played out. The play, even in a loss, though, for Duggan, now the third and then the fourth down play, handing it off, getting oh, stuffed, and, and not having it in Duggan's hand. We can second-guess that one until the cows come home, but that it performance should. from Max Duggan, if Heisman and actual people that vote actually had to wait until after the championship games to vote. Would Duggan be the Heisman winner? I think he should be. And listen, you can't overlook. I think it's kind of unfair to to come down to one game because, and it was it was obvious that Williams was hurt, but he was playing mm-hmm. pretty well before that. Okay? He was, but it was obvious that this kid hurt himself, and he was trying to gut it out. Um, but Max Duggan, I mean, Trent, you're not old enough. But there was a playoff. You've probably seen highlights of it. There was a playoff game, and I, don't, I think it was back in the '80s. The Dolphins and the uh, San Diego Chargers. Kellen Winslow. And it was one. Kellen Winslow. Yes. That that is the most exhausted I have ever seen an athlete coming off a field after the game. Until I saw Max Duggan on <laughs> Saturday. That kid, I've never seen. You know, he scores the touchdown, and he's just kind of like you know get away from me. And then he scores a two-point conversion. Everybody wants to pat him on the head, and he's like, get away from me. I mean, he had nothing, absolutely nothing left. I don't know what they did. You know, I think it turned out really not to matter, but I think TCU kind of caught a break because there was a review, and then there was, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, reviews in overtime and all this. So he had a kind of a chance to get a second win. But, man, you want to talk about just gritty. I mean, absolutely gritty. I mean, those – what did they have? First and 25 to get the holding penalty goes off on a 41 yard run. I don't know the exact sequence, but it was just amazing. And how about the Big 12? The last two Big 12 championships, bar none, the best of any uh, conference in the country. And I think they got it right in terms of TCU staying. And you could have dropped them to four if you wanted to, but then you were just going to set up Ohio State, Michigan. They were never going to do that. So, I mean, there was a little, you know, politicalism, you know come into it, but I just think that I think TCU deserves it based on body of work. I have no problem with them being in there. I have no problem with Alabama being left out. Um, 
As far as Heisman goes, I can't really pick between the two of them. The, based on the championship game, if you want to look at it that way, yeah, it goes to Duggan. But I think you do have to give and, – and maybe the Big 12 is a little bit better conference top to bottom. Um, but I think you have to give Caleb Williams points and everything else for gutting it out on one leg and you know doing doing what he could when it was just obvious that he was hurt. But I have no problem with either one of them. Whoever wins it deserves it. Whoever finishes second, you know, it's going to be a tough break. But it, I think it would be great for, for Duggan to win it just for TCU. I mean, you know, LT was really the last guy that was kind of in that Heisman picture for them. Uh, and so I just think it would be great for him to win it. But I got no problem with either guy. Let's get into your neck of the woods SEC championship game at Bama. I believe this was the least amount of an SEC championship game that I have watched yeah. in, and I don't know how long. I was more intrigued by what else was going on. I was flipping over to the Mountain West, of course, the American Championship game with Tulane, trying to get into the New Year's Love Six. that game. Yeah, and because of that, it just, LSU already with three losses, Georgia, even with the loss they were in, it just it didn't have the buzz for me. How about you down there in SEC territory? Couldn't have cared less. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. And listen, I watched a little bit of it, and what, once it got to twenty-one to seven, and again, I don't think Jaden Daniels was was fully healthy. I don't think he was to the level of of Caleb Williams. But they didn't run in very many of those read options where he where he just absolutely killed Alabama, mainly because they're the most undisciplined defense I've seen in Nick Saban's tenure there. <laughs> but the the SEC and the Big Ten really kind of disappointed, which which we thought they might, you know, going in. You looked at the spreads, and it turns out the odds makers was kind of right on these. Yep. You know, they were. You know, spunky little teams, if you will, if you want to call LSU a spunky little team. But um, it was a team that looked like they had four losses, and they did. You know, and so I, I just Georgia's the team to beat. I don't think I think without question. I mean, Stetson Bennett and you know Brock Bowers. I mean, can I'm a Titans fan. I'd trade my number one pick right now for him. I mean, <laughs> gosh, that kid is going to be a, a tremendous pro. Um, but yeah, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, just all kind of blast. Uh, but Georgia, again, team to beat Stetson Bennett. Um, LSU, good season under Brian Kelly. I think they exceeded expectations. Yeah. You just didn't know how that was going to play out. It's just such a weird fit. I mean, it just, you know, starting out, trying, he just tried too hard. And I think he just finally realized, you know what? Let's just get down to football. I'm, you know, I'm not going to impress these people. I've got the job. I'm going to impress them by winning. And he did. He beat Alabama. He won the West year one. Now, the problem he's got is they're going to expect an SEC championship next year right. because you won the West this year. So we'll see how that goes, uh, how it plays out. But that game just really was, and it wasn't just because Alabama wasn't in it for me. It was just, but just wasn't competitive. Georgia was just that much better. Michigan was just that much better too. Even at fourteen thirteen yep. at the half, you could you could tell Michigan was the better no side problem. here, and they pull away and do what they do in the second half of football games and, and just impose their will upon it. I mean, it's not too bad when you got a, a backup running back in Donovan Edwards, huh? Not too bad. Right. 25 carries, 185. Yeah. That's your backup with Corum. Yeah, not bad. And then that's, and that's listen, it took Harbaugh, it seems like, forever to get to this point and longer than a lot of coaches would have been given. Let's face it. I mean, because how many times did we talk about it? what is this his eighth or ninth year there in, mm-hmm. in in Ann Arbor? I mean, most coaches after four or five, if you've got 
if you haven't beat your biggest rival and made the playoff, I don't care what your name is, how much you've made. Look at Auburn. Now, Auburn's a dysfunctional mess, so that maybe you shouldn't really compare your – you don't want your program compared to them when it comes to hiring coaches. However, I just think that uh, he was given the time by the administration, and that's been validated. And he's used the portal again to his advantage. And I think it all came down this year, Trent, to – I mean, he had a decision to make a quarterback, and he got it right. I mean, he, that whole, you know, McNamara McCarthy debate, you know, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. I just, I firmly believe that. Uh, he got it right with JJ McCarthy, and we, he is playing his best football right now. Now he's going to have, uh, they're, listen, they're, what are they, eight, nine point favorite, I think, over TCU, and they probably should be. Um, but, you know, Purdue had a good year, and they almost won by default because nobody really could take a hold of the West, Iowa, Illinois, all the other teams that were in there. Illinois, if you want to look at it, had a had a, I think you would consider that a positive year. I think Iowa, you would consider it a negative year, even though they finished with the exact same record. Uh, Purdue sneaks in at eight and four and and grabs the West, and O'Connell is is going to be a nice pro, and he had a good game, I mean, three hundred eighty six yards, but he had two picks. And you just can't do that against Michigan. And look, I've I've been a I've been a Harbaugh hater or whatever. I don't hate the guy, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I've just not been convinced of him. And I just think that I mean I've been I think I was right the first five years, <laughs> but I think you give you give credit to the Michigan and their administration for sticking with him, whether it was contract or it was whatever. You know they couldn't afford to buy him out. I don't know what it was, but the last two years he's come up. He's beaten his biggest rival. He's gotten into the playoffs. Now again. Can you take the next step? Can you win the playoff game and play for a national championship? I think I think they should get to the title game this year. But, man, so if they do, you're either going to have your biggest rival waiting on you or you're going to have the, 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 you know, the team in college football right now waiting on you. So that's going to be tough, but they'll take it on. And I, I think they should beat TCU, but good year by the, by the Wolverines. No doubt about it. We mentioned uh, the Tulane UCF game. Tulane pulls away and gets the win in that one. Fun one there in Tulane. A program two different times was on the brink of elimination, and here they are playing now in the Cotton Bowl against USC. What, what a performance and what a season out of Willie Fritz's team. Yeah, I love it. I mean, really love it for them. And listen, they've got, they've got the new stadium. And again, there's some talent in Louisiana. You can, you can pick through LSU leftovers and, and build a pretty good football team yes. in Louisiana. Okay. There is a ton of talent that Louisiana and South Carolina are the two most underrated states in the South when it comes to recruiting. Um, but you know, and, and as happy as I am for Tulane and I really am. And Willie Fritz and that group, and they're legit. Okay, yeah. they are. You know, eleven and two. It is just so Gus Malzahn to lose this way. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, here he comes, and again, I'm not a fan. I never have been a fan. I think he's an average coach. He almost didn't get into this game because he had to have a last what two or three minute drive against a one in ten South Florida team to even make the game, and then of course they, you know. Again, on the road, but to lose it by 17 points, I mean, it, it, it's just so Malzahn. Uh, he doesn't really care. He's on a team-friendly contract because he's still getting $10 million from Auburn. Uh, that was He got a $20 million buyout with no mitigation, so he's, he's, he's fine with that. Um, but now they can, instead of going to the Cotton Bowl, 
they get to go, I think, to Annapolis, Maryland, to play in the military bowl. They get Duke in their bowl game. Oof. So, uh, boy, yeah, Wolf. And I'm sure there's just a ton of UCF fans from Orlando wanting to make a trip north to Maryland <laughs> uh, in December as opposed to going to the uh, – uh, out to Dallas, but again, it's all about Tulane and Willie Fritz. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw where they signed him, re-upped him to an extension. But I haven't, I can't find that for sure. But I hope they do. That's the that's the classic coach, you know. That's going to be the hot guy. He's the next guy. Uh, and whether Tulane can keep him or not, it's going to be an interesting uh, story. Army Navy coming up this weekend. Bama. We'll talk about it on Friday. Break things down and talk about our one of our favorite games of the year. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, I think it is my favorite game of the year. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it more. I just, I don't know how you can't watch it. If you're a college football fan, a sports fan, or, you know, even an American citizen, I don't know how you can't just get up for that game. It's my favorite game of the year. We'll talk to you Friday, Bama. Take care. Bama Bob joining us as he does each and every Monday during college football season, recapping things. What do you think of Bama? Guy's got a lot, doesn't he, Cody? He, yeah, man. Like, college football's... I don't know. Like I consider, like obviously, I cover wrestling for my job, but um, you know, like when it comes to like being a fan of things, um, huge, huge pro, pro football guy. Yes. Uh, maybe not as much into college football, but like I'll sit on Saturdays and enjoy the games. Um, that guy knows his stuff. Yes, he, he knows does. a lot. Like that's that was impressive. Just kind of sitting there, like, oh, okay, oh, okay, oh, okay. You know, like one after another after another. That was fun. He loves it, and uh, we love it too. It's always a fun conversation with him and Army Navy. So. Uh, one of my best friends and I, years ago, when we were in college, we said someday we're going to get there. And then life, family starts to happen, and we said, all right, we're going to do it. We turn 50. So I'm now eight years away from going to this game. So I'll be there <laughs> in 2030. Uh, myself and my buddy, we both turned 50 that year, and that is something that we have had on our calendar for a very long time. Kids will be a little bit older, easier to get away, and they get a little bit older at that point. So that is on the calendar 2030, I'm going to be going to the Army-Navy game. I love the pomp and circumstances of it, playing in the huge stadium, seeing you know, the cadets marching and singing the alma mater afterwards, and just everything with it, old-school football. I'm excited. I've been excited for decades now about it. And it's, uh, it's getting closer and closer. Army-Navy, does that do anything for you? It's you know that standalone spot, if you will. Do you watch the game every year? Yeah, I tune in. Um it's 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 fun, you know. Like just as an American, like oh yeah, like you know these like obviously they go and serve our country mm-hmm. and they're you know significant human beings and just really impressive and all that they do off the field. But then it's like oh yeah, like they they also play football, right? Yeah. Because you know like art like Army Navy, um, you know even Air Force, like they're all they all have D one wrestling programs too. Right. So and there's a uh, you know it's it's. It, it's it's fun to you know follow those guys. Um, you know Iowa wrestled Army at West Point earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's a tournament at the end of the month in Coralville called the Soldier Salute. Um, so a lot of the armed force forces will bring their wrestling teams to Coralville to to wrestle in that open tournament. Um, you know along with a handful of other um, you know teams from around the area, um, including Iowa and I believe Northern Iowa is going to send uh, some wrestlers there. So Great. be kind of cool to get to see them up close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, we we all like a good Twitter joke. I think it was, uh, you know, I, it must be rivalry week for the winter sports coming up um, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure it, Army and Navy, um, you know, a swimming duel, a swimming and diving duel and, and Army won. And so there was a lot of people that were like, how does Navy lose the swimming and diving <laughs> right. competition against Army? Yeah. Like, should we be worried? Like, that's a problem. So, yeah. Right. Like that's I, I would like it made me chuckle, you know. 
That's a good one. Well, Cody, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more here at the end of the show. Oh, Mr. Monday Night's going to stop by. He is incredible picking Monday Night Football games. He is 8-4 and four against the spread this year. He'll have a pick, but want to pick your wrestling brain just a little bit more. I know we did a lot in the first segment, but a lot going on. We're going to have the first sanctioned high school girls championship event coming up at the end of January over in Coralville, as you mentioned that. So a little more wrestling with Cody here. Coming up next, though, we're going to turn our attention to the Cyclones. Nate Shieldhouse, the new offensive coordinator. That is official. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Nick Gostin joins us as we take you to one. It's Miller and Condon at 106.3. Podcast. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-3-CAXNO. If you own a house, you've got a huge asset. And everyone's looking at it. With Wall Street investors buying up homes in Des Moines and renting them out like never before, you have to wonder, what do they see in your big asset that you don't? The truth is, if you sell your home instead of renting it, you can kiss your asset goodbye. Especially with today's higher interest rates, the best way to save your asset is to rent it out instead. Does renting make your asset look big? Yes, it does. Especially when you hire the professional landlords at Renner's Warehouse. DIYing your property management is a total pain in your asset. But with Renner's Warehouse, you never have to find tenants, collect rent, or handle pesky maintenance calls again. Don't lose your asset and stop busting your asset trying to manage it yourself. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse. You can't buy happiness. Downtown Des Moines. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Talked Hawkeyes earlier with Scott Docterman. It's time to turn our attention to Ames and Iowa State. Nick Gosen joining us from 24-7 Sports as he does each and every Monday. Nick, thanks for joining us as always. And boy, it is a busy time. Normally, a couple years back when they changed the new window for college football and the recruiting world, Things amp up at this time. You got the early signing day. Now at the transfer portal, you get any sleep? How you doing over there? <laughs> yeah, great to be here, guys. You know, that's a great question. Some of my my readers were actually asking how, you know, how, how much caffeine I'm kind of on doing this and things like this. But, you know, fortunately with, with the Shieldhouse news, obviously, and the portal officially opening today, not a ton of surprises, at least on my end. So mm-hmm. kind of able to, you know, get ahead of the curve with some of these things for sure. Well, the uh, big news today about Nate Shieldhouse as he becomes the offensive coordinator. Last week he was named interim, and speculation, but the only thing that kind of made sense in, in my mind was they had to have the maybe job posted for a while, something like that, going with an internal candidate. What was uh, the reasoning that you've been able to gather, why they gave him the designation of the interim and then very quickly named the offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think it was a couple of things. You know, from what I've gathered, I I think what you kind of suggest is something very possible. I know that that's something that's happened at other programs that I've covered, like, you know, Wisconsin and things like that, to give other people that opportunity. 
But I also felt like it was just a matter of, you know, Matt Campbell and this program kind of solidifying not only what was right for Shieldhouse and the program, but also some of these other kind of pieces of the puzzle, you know, with that staff. Like, obviously, the, the Manning stuff came out last week, and then Jeff Myers kind of coming out today in that release. So I really sincerely think that it was always a point of Shieldhouse being at least a major part of the offense and the focal point going forward. There was a little bit of buzz, and maybe this buzz was just simply buzz and not much more than that, but of the Ohio offensive coordinator potentially Mm – being looked at as well and maybe like a split co-OC. But as things kind of progressed, I certainly got the feeling that Shieldhouse would be a major part of it. And honestly, I think it's a really good and smart move. And I feel like the way he can balance between knowledge of the game, doing so well in recruiting and just being so well-respected, not only in the building, but around the country, as I know we've talked about on this show, I think it's a good move for the program. And honestly, I'm excited to see – what this offense kind of looks like, whether he really mixes things up a little bit or whether it's just kind of more of a look of Campbell's system with maybe some of his own twist and flair on it as well. I wonder, too, um, you know, I, I guess my first thought when I heard that Shieldhouse was was getting the job was um, my, I, first, my, I thought of Alex Golish. Um, yeah. You know, he was there. He was... Um, if I remember right, was he part of the holdover when when Campbell first got hired? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and has quickly risen up the offensive ranks since he you know moved over to the SEC, and I believe he he recently just got announced as, as a head coach somewhere, um, South Florida. But I I've, I have always wondered like what would have happened if Iowa State would have retained that guy because he you know clearly he knows what he's doing, he knows what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, and I wonder if that I, I, you know, maybe maybe it's weird to connect those dots, but like a lesson learned that when you've got you know who you feel like someone who is a young star to promote them within and, and, you know, let, let's see what you got, especially after this year where clearly the offense was just kind of, you know, sporadic, I guess. And that's probably putting it nicely. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like that, that was a thought that came to my head. I don't know if there's any connection there, but, um, you know, excited for Shieldhouse. That's, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, I think there's actually, I really like how you kind of wrapped there with, uh, potentially some of the timing. I do think there's a connection in that it's it's a little bit ironic that both are kind of getting some well-deserved offensive promotions. You know, some people were kind of questioning, certainly on my board, just asking about like, oh, potentially was there just this interim? And then with the goalish news, were people kind of afraid that Shieldhouse would leave there? That was something that people had kind of asked. I haven't necessarily gleaned anything from that, but I do agree, guys, with kind of your point of you have someone that, has shown a lot of star potential. You can't lose people like that in this industry, especially with kind of how college football has changed and how it's legitimately seemingly competitive every day. And I know that he's got a lot of trust. Like I said, it's really not just in the Iowa State program. I think that he's very highly thought of. I know that we have had Coach Shieldhouse on 30 under 30 list with 24-7 sports and things of that nature. So I do think it's an interesting comparison to make. I think that both are really good offensive lines. And I think an underrated aspect of this is also Shieldhouse's ability to lead and really kind of gain people's belief and, and trust in him. I do think that's an enormous part of a coordinator position. You look at John Haycock, I think he's very well respected in that side and not just defensively for his mind there. So I think that there are a lot of good things within it. And 
quite honestly, I'm excited to see how it turns out with this offense as we head into 2023. Well, let's bounce over. Jeff Myers also, he is uh, going to be departing the offensive line coach. There'll be some new blood coming in, but before we run out of time, don't want to shortchange basketball after that performance yesterday against what was an undefeated St. John's team. They just came out and took it to him right away and really never, never gave the Johnnies a chance of that one. Impressive performance on a Sunday afternoon, Nick. Yeah, Trent, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think what's most impressive about it is, you know, we could see this, and I know that the players, and I feel like Coach T.J. Osselberger certainly felt this way too, that was certainly not Iowa State's best game. Mm -hmm. They missed a lot of makeable shots. I I don't think they necessarily shot their best jumpers-wise as well, and I feel like that really speaks to the ceiling of this team. I know we've hit on it, and, you know, I'll remember – after like a football comp- press conference sitting in Ames still jumping on the show and saying, I-, I think it was after the first game, I felt like the ceiling of this team needed to be raised. And this was just another reminder to me of that. I think Thursday is going to be another fantastic test against the Hawkeyes. But I just feel like I will be shocked if this team ever doesn't show up to the, co- the court as kind of the harder-working, better defensive team. When you have that, you've got such a good floor to kind of be able to perform. And I think that the Hawkeyes are going to potentially bring a different style against the Cyclones than they're maybe used to. So I think that's going to be terrific. Either way, Iowa State is off to a terrific start. They're now up to number 20. But I just feel like as the offense continues to develop and some of those you know, closer layups and potentially bunny shots go in, I do think this team will make some noise. And this will be a great test before conference play coming just around the corner, guys. A big one there, and of course we get ready for Thursday. Iowa's got a little bit of business in front of them as they take on Duke tomorrow night. Nick, we'll break things down with you. As always, appreciate your time here on a Monday. For people out there, I know a lot of people signing up with all the Transfer Portal news with you guys over at 24-7. What do you have going on this week, and what can people look for at Cyclone Alert? Yeah, thank you very much, Trent. It's it's a lot of things. So we've got some breaking stories on the transfer portal this morning. We've still got our 50% off VIP deal. It actually just goes until the end of the day. So that's Mm. something to jump on. I will have a visit recap from some basketball guys that have been in town. And we'll have live coverage of Omaha Blue and Waukee against Price Sanford and Waukee Northwest tomorrow night. And that's just through the first two days of the week, guys. (laughs) That's awesome. I'll be out there as well. I'll be on the call for Mediacom, so stop by, say hello, all right? I'll see you there, my friend. Thank you guys so much. Nick Oson, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com, joining us here on a Monday. Waukee, Waukee Northwest tomorrow night. I know you got wrestling, and I know you're doing a little work on wrestling, working on your play-by-play chops now. Love to see that, Cody. Yeah, helping out with CISN. It's, it's, you know, our the way our jobs are now when it comes to, you know, daily sports writing and the newspaper and journalism, um, you know, don't cover a lot of standalone duels like mm-hmm. that, but I still love to go watch wrestling and especially, you know, in and around the CIML where the, the teams and the wrestlers are always really, really good. Um, you know, fortunate to have uh, CISN there and um, fortunate that they invite me out to, uh, you know, call some wrestling and, and, you know, that allows me to watch some wrestling too and get some play-by-play reps. I, I don't yeah. mind doing that. I like it. You do a good job with it too. Always enjoy your call. Well, we're going to talk a little wrestling, Mr. Monday Night. He's still got to stop by. Picks presented by Circus Sports as we continue. Wrap things up on the other side. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. If you're looking for something for your company, want to stand out, you want to have some of that great gear for your 
employees, I want to tell you about Authentic Brand. It is high-quality, show-stopping styles, and it is Iowa locally made. They have you covered for whatever you want. Polos, hoodies, hats, shirts, they got it all at Authentic Brand. And not just for your company, also for that sports fan in your life. Get it done with the new year upon us. Of course, Christmas right around the corner. Go to Authentic-Brand.com. Find out what they have for you there. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, Bulldogs, and a bunch of other colleges as well at Authentic Mr. Monday Night's got a winner for you tonight. Just dial 1-900. I don't have a 900 number. Cody, 8-4 and four on the season on Monday Night Football. That's 67%. Not bad. Better than my Friday picks. Not bad. Take it. Professionals would take that. Tonight, I'm taking the points again. Give me the doggy. Give me the Saints plus the three and a half at Tampa. Just two teams, gross offensively. Might be looking at that total, too. 41, it's incredibly low for an NFL game, but we'll see tonight. Chance for Tampa, obviously, to take control of the division. New Orleans just has never been able to get on track. Not a great one, but... NFL football. What else are you going to be watching on Monday night, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll probably rewatch some wrestling that I missed over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, yeah. But I do have a fantasy investment in this game tonight, so oh. I will. I'll loosely be paying attention. That's always um, important. Need, uh, need Chris Godwin to salt away a game uh, in one league, and then I need Andy Dalton to. Um, Help stage a comeback in another league, so wouldn't mind a shootout. Not too bad. Looking for points? I don't know if you're going to get those this evening. Well, hey, it's been fun here. As we wrap up, Cody, in our last uh, minute or so, you got first girls sanctioned tournament coming up in January, high school wrestling underway, college wrestling underway. It's such a busy time with the wrestling calendar here. What are what are some of the biggest stories you're kind of chasing here throughout the course of the next couple of months? Oh, man. Um there's a lot, um, you know, just kind of following and, and tracking the, you know, the, the girls wrestling season. Um, you know, we, we were a lot of times our girls wrestling coverage is kind of centered on participation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I think it's time to start writing about how good these girls are. Right. Um, you know, which is that'll, that'll that'll be a shift, you know, because we're going to learn, you know, I think there's a, there's a hierarchy. Um, you know, there's a lot of girls that have been wrestling for quite a while and are, are kind of setting the pace for the rest of the high school girls wrestlers. And then, you know, tier or two below there, it's it's a mishmash of athletes who are just trying to figure it out for, you know, for some the first time, for some, you know, second, third, fourth time. Um, so just be kind of interesting to see, you know, who emerges, who who looks good, who, you know, it's it, it, it'll be kind of fun to see those tiers kind of mesh as, as the season goes along. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to kind of learn about the teams and the programs, right? Because now that it's it's officially got.